It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey listeners, it's Phil Mackey. We're talking Minnesota sports five days a week on Mackey and Jeb with Rami. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Score North app, or anywhere else you find podcasts. If you're tight on time today and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. Welcome back. Mackey and Jeb with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North app. Uh, by the way, on that Score North app, you can find two daily Viking shows on demand and live. You can listen to all of our stuff live, too. But Vikings Vent Line is six days a week, and tonight we will have Vikings Vent Line right after Vikings and Washington, and uh, also Purple Daily five days a week. Matthew Collar, uh, he's joined by rotating co-hosts, including Alex Boone, who ruffled some feathers earlier this week, and our next guest, Sage Rosenfels, who joins us every Thursday here for some Sage football wisdom. And, uh, you know, we're we're in the spirit of... We've got Kirk Cousins playing his former team. We've got Case Keenum and Adrian Peterson playing their former team tonight. Uh, did you ever get a chance to square off against a former team? And uh, do you have any any stories about squaring off against former did teams? Did I ever square off against one of my former teams? Well, I definitely backed up for a lot of games yeah. against uh, my former <laughs> teams. Were you, were, I, were you extra aggressive in the uh, the film room that week? <laughs> extra, extra motivated to put in, put in some extra time to help that starter. Absolutely, I was. You know, my uh, the year with the New York Giants, which would have been my fifth team near the end of my career, 2010, we played my former, t- like, former coordinators that I had played with. Not always former, sometimes former teams, but a lot of times former coordinators that that were now at a different place uh like six or seven times or something and our defense had great success in those games I, i'd like to say and i spent a lot of monday and tuesday talking to the defense coordinator about this is what they like to do in this formation this is what hurts this protection you know when you're a quarterback you do know the challenges and the limitations of the different offenses that you're in over the course of your career so yeah, I, I like to think that. I tell you, when when we when I was at the Giants and we played the Vikings, who I had just been traded from, uh, it was the roof collapse game yes. uh, in Detroit. Yes, that's right. And I mean, uh, I was extremely motivated that week for uh, us to come to Detroit, not even Minneapolis, to to kick the Vikings butt that time that week. And and, uh, and again, had pretty good success. But we just had to beat Joe Webb at quarterback. So uh, it, you know, I, <laughs> I can't really take too Joe much Webb. credit for it. He's trash talking Joe Webb, who's still playing. Hey Sage, take take me through that that game and that those days because it, as I recall, it snowed on Saturday. We we heard that the uh, roof was leaking badly, uh, close to caving in by 
Saturday night. But the story that I've always heard from the Giants' perspective, but have uh, not had the opportunity to ask you about, is is that you guys were actually diverted to Kansas City and then stayed there and then w- went to Detroit. And how weird was that to play what amounted to a neutral site game in a place where you probably wouldn't go on vacation? If you had the chance to go to a lot of places, you probably wouldn't say, you know where I'd like to go for a game? Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> well, you, know what's a, you know what's amazing is... Um, uh, I, I'd forgotten that detail in that trip. I'd forgotten that we ended up going to Kansas City. I believe it was one of those uh, uh, big storms coming on from Canada, and it sort of just destroyed Minneapolis and, and Detroit and, and probably Buffalo and, and all the uh, probably the Northeast as well. But I had forgotten that we flew to Kansas City, stayed overnight. That actually happened a couple times in my career where uh, you know there was a time where we flew to San Diego from Monday night game from Miami, uh, and there's fire. We land, and everything is just orange and, and, and all smoky, and, and uh, there have been all these fires, and we, we ended up moving the game to Arizona the next day. It was a Monday night game, like Junior Seau returned to San Diego. I, I, I had a couple strange road trips uh, over the course of my career. Stayed in Appleton, Wisconsin um, uh, also that year with the Giants. We stayed in Appleton, Wisconsin for like uh, two or maybe even three nights. It was crazy uh, because they couldn't get us out of town or back to New York or something like that. So uh, the, that was definitely a weird trip and uh, it was nice to get that win against the Vikings in Detroit. What does a football team do for two or three days <laughs> In Appleton, Wisconsin. Well, if you play for the Giants, uh, you go to Lombardi's, and the Mares pay for everything. That's oh, the, that's what you do. Nice. Uh, they they took care of their team, and and uh, we end up yeah having a situation where we we we, act, we lost. I uh, got beat pretty good, and and we stayed all, an entire the entire Monday. I guess we stayed in uh, Appleton before flying out uh, on Tuesday, and and uh, the, the Mares. I was in I was in Lombardi's uh, just sort of hanging out, and and with the equipment guys. Next thing, the Mares bought everyone dinner uh and you know a, a great story too that was an unusual season 10 and 6 season and we missed the playoffs and but i got to play for eli manning and tom coughlin and and uh that was a heck of a ride i'm envisioning like just a full roster of football players rolling into the culvers in appleton <laughs> and all you guys just sitting there with those little plastic blue uh, numbers waiting for your uh, concrete mixers and things you know it's it's, it's by the way the concrete the yeah mixer. so in appleton the paper valley inn is that the paper valley, hotel? Paper valley is that what it's called the radisson yeah. yes and you, and you eat in the basement. It's not the most. It's like that's like that's where the uh, the the big rooms are or whatever. They're in the basement there, so it's definitely not the fanciest hotel you yeah. staying in the NFL. So, Sadie Rosenfels, uh, we sit here almost halfway through the NFL season, and I know there's there's a million different ways to measure quarterback performance. There, you know, QBR, ESPN has QBR and takes into context uh, situation, but good old traditional old fashioned passer rating. Kirk Cousins is number one in the NFL. And he's also number one in yards per attempt, thanks to the last three games. So, do you, do you think this is just this is part of the Kirk Cousins experience, and uh, he's he's feasting over a three game stretch, uh, only to come crashing down at some point, or do you think the Vikings and Kirk Cousins have found? A new level here. Oh, I think he's the MVP. Let's just put <laughs> it to him right now. Should we stop the MVP? The I mean, if they voted right now. <laughs> yeah, if they voted right now. Uh, but but just wait uh, tonight. He might, get, you know, the, the Vikings may cut him going into the next year and just eat the twenty nine million based off of maybe tonight's game because we'll you know we'll have to see against the the Washington racial slurs uh, at U.S. Bank. So um, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. I think he is playing really good football. I think he's actually played three of the better games of his career for this long of a stretch. Usually he doesn't go three or four in a row. Uh, but I think the team 
is also playing really, really well. Uh, and they're playing against not great defenses the last few, few weeks, in, in, in particular the secondary. Obviously, Thielen didn't play much in the last game, but he does have two of the best uh, players uh, at the receiver position in the NFL. He has one of the best running backs in the NFL, and the O-line is really starting to put it together. So uh, the way I look at it, the O-line has played extremely well the last three games, uh, which has allowed Kirk Cousins to be uh, what he is, which is a very talented passer uh, and usually pretty accurate and has got a strong arm, and if he can throw on time and go all things. But when things get cloudy in that pocket, that's when his bad game occur so they haven't been cloudy again the o-lines played well they haven't played against a great defense or the course last couple weeks i will say though uh the philadelphia eagles were giving up 63 yards a game rushing going into that game and the vikings ran for 122 that's impressive that's impressive for for supposedly a terrible o-line i think they're just getting better i think rick dennison is slowly adding a little bit more detail. You know, they, they've made mistakes in those first games. Then they, they learn from those mistakes uh, with good coaching. I think all the, those little details are starting to sort of come to fruition. I think Bradbury, the rookie center, has played a lot better the last few weeks than he was getting than he was playing before. I mean, he was great out as the worst offense, uh, the worst center in the NFL over the first few games of the season. I mean, in particular, in pass protection, he was just getting pummeled. Uh, but the offensive line is playing really well, which is allowing Kirk Cousins to play really good football. And, and uh, you know, we'll see if uh, this continues, and we'll see if, they, if it continues against defenses that are not very good. And, and this Viking, this this Washington defense, uh, let's see if it, can, it, it continues against uh, defenses that are good at some point in the future. But this Washington defense is not that team. That they're, they're sort of near the bottom of the league in defense as well. Guys, I think Sage has reached a new, level of quarterback evaluation it's sort of blending a weather forecast with with football the cloudy pocket so can we start referring to like like a partly cloudy pocket mostly sunny pocket i think that's where we have to go i, I would say for the beginning of the season it was a cloudy pocket and then there were games where it was uh partly cloudy in the last few weeks it's been mostly sunny it's been nice i want to see sage uh, in front which of an a green occasional, screen which an occasional thunderstorm <laughs> an occasional thunderstorm that passes through quickly and doesn't do any damage I I, I so want to see you in front of a green screen explaining all of this with cool graphics. Um, and they're going against another bad defense tonight, Sage, in, in the Redskins. But I don't have them in front of me, but we've all seen the numbers on Kirk Cousins in primetime games. Anytime we bring that up, we get the tweets, we get the calls. That's not fair. That's a random sample size. Is there a different feeling to Thursday night, Monday night, when you're on that primetime stage? And were there guys who didn't necessarily handle that stage all that well? Well, yeah, there is a different feeling to it. I mean, you know you're sort of the, the only game on TV, and football is such a popular sport, and those Thursday night games sometimes get better uh, ratings than, like, World Series games or something similar. I mean, it's just pretty crazy. Uh, so, yeah, you definitely know there's a bigger spotlight. It's sort of the game of the week or game of the day, and a lot of people who just love football are watching, and, and you're going to make a you know a, a big impression on people, whether they love your team or they're just from fans from other, you know, teams around the league. And so, you know, the, the, the Washington defense is not terrible. Uh, they're, they're ranked about 21st in the league, but I think they're, I think they're actually a pretty good defense that is made worse than they are because their offense has been so pathetic, uh, over the course of the first half of the season. I mean, they're 30th in offense. They're really struggling to throw the football and score points. They're last in the league in passing. Uh, and I, and I tell you what, uh, you know, all this talk with Adrian Pearson this week, and I'm sure we'll get into that, but, 
I just watched the first half of the game from when they played uh, uh, the 49ers the other day. They gave Adrian the ball like nine, I don't know what the number is, but it looked like it was like nine times out of like 11 carries on the first drive. Uh, and it was just, you know, just, just, pop, it was in the complete monsoon rain. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what that, uh, what that offensive attack for Washington is because right now they don't have much of a passing game. And, and obviously in San Francisco in that monsoon, they, they heavily relied uh, on, on trying to run the football. So, Sage, help me out here. Peterson is 34 now. He has, according to um, Josine Anderson of USP, and he has a, a high ankle sprain he suffered on Sunday, which is bad enough. He has a low ankle sprain. They are one and six, if I'm not mistaken, Washington is. What the hell are they doing? I mean, why would you play him? He's 34. Play your third string guy. It doesn't, I mean, who cares? I don't get that. And, and to me, it strikes me as a selfish, oh, I'm playing the Vikings, so I'm going to come back and try and play. And if I was the coach, I would say, Adrian, no, you've got your ankle is a mess. You're not playing our third guy. And now, if this was Peterson at 27, then perhaps I'd consider it. But he's 34. Play your third guy. Take your chances there. I, I don't like this. I think this well, is dumb. Do you, do you think Washington actually cares about what Adrian's age is or like what's going to happen to him in the future? <laughs> they don't care. They're going to use him up as much as they can this year. Uh, and that'll probably be the end of the road. But there. he doesn't whole- give them... The best chance is my well. Point. That that's that's, that's up to my that. point. That's that well, that decision. that may say a lot about their backups. You know, Chris, Chris Thompson, Wendell, you know, Smallwood. That they you Smallwood's know, ra- next. They would rather, yeah, okay. They'd rather right. have a, yep. uh, a, a you know a, an eighty percent Adrian than a hundred percent Wendell Smallwood. I mean, who knows, right? So uh, that that's where Washington is right now. This is one of the worst teams in the NFL. Uh, the Vikings better take care of business. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't. I think they're just trying to throw out there whoever can give them a chance to win and, and my guess is since you know, with adrian's style of running where he tries to grind out yards and grind out yards he's always run that way that they think their best chance of winning is to slow the football uh, game down and just sort of milk the clock and keep it close and keep it close and hopefully they're within you know a touchdown at the end of the game a few plays and maybe get to Kirk cousins and and, and win the football game but they can't play uh, you know, uh, the, the Vikings, you know, sort of straight up of, you know, having, trying to have that balance. I, I don't think they can. They're, they're not good enough at the receiver position. They're not good, uh, enough at the O line and quarterback position. Uh, and, and right now they're, you know, they, they don't run the football that great. So, you know, I think that that's their best bet when you're completely outmatched is just to try to grind it out. And hopefully that you're sort of get some first downs, take time off the clock, maybe get a, a turnover two on defense, maybe make a play on special teams, and that's how they're going to win the football game. But sure as heck isn't you know having Case or whoever they have play quarterback, you know, throw it fifty times. Yeah. Hey, what was uh, what was your experience like? Two thousand. Just we don't have to spend all day on this because I feel like no pun intended by the way uh, all day because uh, we've <laughs> we've I feel like we've spent three days with from what Alex Boone said a few days ago and going back and forth. But what was your experience like with Adrian Peterson? As a teammate, 2010, uh, 2009, early 2010. Yeah, so so I said this yesterday uh, you know, with, with Matt Collar on the, the Purple Daily. You know, I, my experience with Adrian, which was that really that 2009 season, but I was with him for three training camps and a half of another season. Um, my experience was nothing but good in the sense of the way he worked and the way he you know would seem to be a team player and didn't cause issues in the locker room and, and you know his my the locker room that year was interesting. I was sort of back in the I think it's like the west corner of that locker room and, and uh, it was Chris Cluey, Percy Harvin, myself, Favre, an empty locker and Adrian. 
I mean that that, that was that was quite the, uh, the the stretch. I think Big Mac was over there too. Uh, so you know he was. I said he worked extremely hard in practice. He was one of those running backs who would you know sprint fifty yards after you know getting through the line. Obviously he wasn't hit much in practice, but I, I felt like he worked hard. I thought he worked hard uh, in the weight room and all those types of things. Now I will say this: over the course of my career, uh, I think that everybody goes through various things in life, uh, and sometimes a lot of times off the field. That maybe cause them not to be their best self in the locker room or on the field or or do things they probably regret later. Uh, and I know Adrian lives a what I would consider a confusing life to me uh, of how is his personal life is you know how his career has gone. He's got you know he's lived a completely different life than me with his childhood and you know the, the issue with his dad growing up and all these things. It just it's hard to get into who Adrian was when somebody else played with him. And I think Boone has every right. I, there's probably guys, there's, there's places in my career that I'm not super thrilled about how I acted, uh, you know, in, in certain ways. And, and I regret those things. And there's probably guys in those teams that maybe don't like me. But there's also, I think, teams that, you know, that, that guys really loved me having me on the team. Uh, and, and I had a great experience. And it's probably because it caught me at different aspects and different points in my life. And I think everyone can sort of agree to that who's lived on, you know, on this planet for a couple decades that, uh, you know, you're not always at your best. And, and obviously, uh, according to Alex, he didn't catch uh, Adrian at his best. Who was the most interesting locker neighbor you ever had? I mean, that was a pretty that's a pretty interesting bunch you just reeled off right there. Who's the most interesting and you can take interesting in any way that you want locker neighbor that you ever had, Sage? Oof. Well, you know, I'm trying to think. In Washington, uh, the quarterbacks were together, so you'd go back to you know that was that was you know Jeff George was next door, but he was pretty wow. quiet. Um, uh, yeah, no, Jeff in, George was quiet, really. He was pretty quiet, actually. Huh. In Miami, uh, all the quarterbacks were together, also, but we were sort of with the receivers, so you're all sort of locker mates. We were sort of in an area together. That 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 Minnesota locker room. I mean, again, the Giants. I was next to Eli uh, in Houston. I was next to Schaub and the other quarterbacks, and so, but you know that. That Vikings one, the quarterbacks were sort of everywhere. They didn't put us together. It was just sort of one big, really square, uh, and uh, everyone just sort of uh, sat in their lockers around the outside. And I don't know if it was on purpose. I do know this. When we drafted Percy Harvin and Favre wasn't on the team yet, I asked – uh, the equipment manager, uh, Denny, um, if they would uh, put Percy's locker next to mine because I wanted to try to be, you know, I'd heard this kid's a little bit troubled and got, you know, got caught for smoking weed at the combine or whatever and had a little bit of trouble past and that, you know, if I was going to be successful, I wanted to develop a relationship with him uh, and they sure enough, they did put Percy's heart, Percy's locker next to me and, and uh, you know, and, and maybe that helped us that season, you know, who knows. It's a lot of work, Sage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the quarterback is not just throwing the ball to your buddies and not throw it sure. to your enemies. It's, it's, it's much more complicated than that. At least I always thought it was. Hey, what, if there is one, to backtrack on your comment from before, if there is one football thing that you did off the field now that, that with your uh, wisdom of years uh, gone by could take back, what would that thing be? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I Honestly, probably signing a contract to come to Minnesota. That was a you know a major mistake that I that I made, and I was hoping to go up there to start. And uh, I got basically the best backup quarterback contract in the league. But Houston had offered me the exact same deal, so I could have stayed in Houston, backed up Schaub, made the same amount of money uh, that I was going to make in Minnesota. And you know Kubiak was putting up huge numbers with Schaub and Andre Johnson. Then Arian Foster came after I left, and you know that offense was dynamic. Uh, and I could have stayed in the same place. I'd already been there for three years. My son, my kids were in school. Uh, and, you know, after that and after I left Houston, you know, I was in Minnesota for a year. Second year, Favre came back. I'd get traded to the Giants. I'm there for a year. Next thing I know, 
I'm back on the Vikings and then and my career, you know, with the Vikings getting cut, you know, because of Joe Webb, which is how we started this whole conversation. So uh, <laughs> I, I think that was probably the biggest mistake I made, which was a you know contractual mistake. But I was, it was to me, it was my biggest opportunity to finally be the man and, and maybe have a chance to start. I wasn't competing with Matt Schaub in Houston, so I thought here's a place that has Adrian Peterson, that has Jared Allen, that has Kevin Williams, and has Chad Greenway, and and all these guys that in and, and Hutchinson and Mac and 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 you know I think a, a really really good team. It was the best team, most talented team I ever played on. Uh, but I didn't I didn't really have a chance to obviously play. So uh, that ended up being uh, you know I was overly aggressive I guess or you know I don't, I don't know I don't, I don't have a lot of regrets about it, but it probably was looking back uh, you know something I m- maybe shouldn't have done. It's kind of tough when uh, when your circumstance. In all due respect, I don't mean to trash Tavares Jackson, but when you take a job and you think, oh, I just have to beat out Tavares Jackson to. Oh, Brett Favre's here now <laughs> in like the yeah. span of four months or whatever. Yeah, and that, you know, and I thought I had done a pretty good job of trying to learn this new offense. I put in so much time that off season, and I'm flying back and forth to to Houston because I, you know, obviously where my family was. So every weekend or whatever, I was flying back and forth, and I was grinding as hard as I could four or five days a week in Minnesota all off season, all summer. Thought I outplayed Tavares in the preseason, uh, but you know, Brad didn't like me, and then that's just sort of, sort of the way it goes. And and uh, again, I, I wish I would have known that before. I thought he would love me, being that he, you know, came from Wisconsin. Barry Alvarez, yeah. my college coach, Dan McCarney, was like the defensive coordinator when when Brad was the offensive, you know, when when Bevel was there and all that. So I sort of thought I'd have this little leg up going in. Did not realize that uh, that, that Brad was so, um, I, I guess, enamored with Tavares. But which, by the way, I love playing with Tavares Jackson, you know, as a teammate, as two guys who competed, uh, you know, as, as him a young guy, me an older guy, we got along really, really well. And, and uh, you know, I haven't seen him in a long time, but I'm sure if we ever run into each other, we'll, you know, talk so much about that 2009 season and being in that quarterback room with Brett and, and, and that whole crew. So uh, I thought we, you know, built a pretty good bond that year. And, and, uh, and, and he had a decent career as a, as a backup and, and, uh, and all those things. So how quick did you know that Brad didn't like you? Well, I, I, that's a good question. That's a good question. I think I didn't really understand it until the preseason games. I thought he was just sort of coaching me, and then during the preseason games, when I thought I was really out playing Tavares the first game or two, and, and it didn't seem like it mattered, then I really realized, like, you know, I guess I'm the, uh, you know, I, I'm the fool in this one or whatever. But, you know, before that, I, I had some, cons- to be honest with you, I had some concerns about how he saw offense and how he saw reads, uh, uh, you know, of a quarterback when I was um, here on my visit, on my basically being traded visit. They had me come up first to do a visit, and then they officially made the trade. Uh, but we, we sat did some X's and O's in his office one day, and, you know, from what I had just come with Kyle Shanahan, uh, it was, you know, a long step back for me as far as, you know, you know, uh, what I thought was, you know, deep knowledge of a football that I had learned, just learned from Kyle and, and from Gary Kubiak. Sage, I got to ask you about Mitch Trubisky being the Bears fan on the show. And I know you're the Mitch Trubisky expert for 670 The Score in Chicago. Well, this, by the um, way, this is an unsanctioned therapy session here, yeah, okay? Yeah. This is not a sanctioned therapy He's session. He's unsalvageable, yeah. Rami. <laughs> um, this is my question. Uh, what the hell? Uh, well, what the hell, Sage? <laughs> okay, okay, a couple things. One, uh, Trubisky, 
not a very good passer. He's okay. extremely inactive. That's not good. And obviously to his left, not good. And we, I always talk about, you know, when you talk about these college kids coming out or, you know, it's accuracy and decision making. Uh, he's not very accurate. Um, and they also have this offense. So, you know, Vikings, sometimes the fans get upset uh, with Mike Zimmer and some people occasionally say we should fire Zimmer. I'm not a big Matt Nagy fan. Uh, I sort of feel like, again, we were just talking about Brad Childers. I, I'm not saying he's Brad Childers, but there is a thing of, Coaches who played offensive coordinator for Andy Reid, who sort of have the Andy Reid, but they don't really have the, the Andy Reid sauce or whatever that is. And it, you know, I watch their offense; they are they are shocked and all this. <laughs> so it, it's the it's 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 what we talk about with Kirk Cousins. Um, they are they make Trubisky the complete center point of the entire offense. They are in shotgun all the time. They rarely they ran the football seven times the other day. They threw it fifty four times. You're asking a player who is struggling, who's coming off an injury, to be like the Steve Nash point guard or Michael Jordan and do everything. And he should be a he he, he to me, Mitch Trubisky could be like a Jake Plummer maybe. Again, it's not a very good pocket passer, yeah. uh, but it's good enough. But could with with the right system, with really this Viking system. Imagine Trubisky on the edge, uh, uh, you know, on some of these bootlegs, and not Kirk Cousins, who can't really run all that much. You know, a guy that's a much better athlete, and then you really teach him how to throw on the run, and you really, you know, perfected that because that's using his athleticism. They don't use his athleticism. Uh, they force him to be the sort of pocket passer. Uh, and again, their their focal point of their offense is maybe the worst player on their offense. I mean, that's the head coach's fault. That's not Trubisky's fault. Uh, and they do a million things. They're not good at anything. It's like they have all these plays, and they just throw darts at it and go, let's run this one now. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason. There's no play action. Here, here's an example. They, they rarely run bootlegs, but the other day they had a second 10. They had run the ball like five times in the game for like three yards or something like that. They were having no success running the football. The range right. It's second and ten. The uh I can't remember who they were there. they're playing. They're playing like soft cover two. Um and the the Bears run a play like a bootleg out of the pocket and try to take a shot. It's like you, you got to try to take a shot when you're not even running the football and you're running a, a bootleg of a style of run that you don't even use actually in the running game. Like there's no rhyme or reason here. Yeah. They're just like plays they found and they're running. I mean, I'm telling you, I watched this Bears offense for the last couple of years and, and he, the, some of the reads sometimes are like overly complex, I think, or I, when I can't tell what the quarterback is supposed to do, that's sometimes a problem. I mean, it's, especially if it's consistently. Sometimes like, ah, I wonder what they were telling the quarterback to do there, but I regularly can't tell what they're trying to get done with that offense and I think it's yeah it's very much part of Mitchell Trubisky I I think a lot of it goes on Matt Nagy as well they won last year not because of their offense they won because of their defense and the fact that their quarterback could occasionally make some you know key third down seem to running the football more than anything and they're making some big plays with some of their quick quick guys uh, in the short passing game when they're getting no yards now uh, because everyone just plays zone against them so, that didn't uh, make me yeah. feel much better yeah, how did that make you all? hey, hey uh, Jake Plummer though I'll take Jake, Jake the Snake, man. I would take Jake Plummer yeah. with this defense. I think Jake, yeah, well, I think Jake yeah. Plummer with that defense could go places. Okay, but you have to have the right system right. for Jake Plummer. Yes. And his system in Denver, we're going back to it, is, again, Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak. It's zone. 
It's outside zone. It's bootlegs. They ran. It was some. It was some crazy number before Kubiak came to Houston. Is that they like seventy five percent of his passes the year before uh, had been some sort of bootleg or play action. Uh, he was not good at just dropping back in the pocket and reading defense and reading things out. And he wasn't great at that. He wasn't a super uh, accurate passer in that way. But he could throw well on the run. And I see Trubisky is an. Uh, and by the way, the snake was a great athlete. I mean, his nickname was a snake for a reason. But he was a really really good athlete but wasn't a great accurate thrower uh and so they you know they sort of that was part of the whole system of why it worked so well and and i think trubisky could work in that you know type of system i you know maybe he'll get cut after the season the vikings can pick him up as a backup wow and and see how he'll do and maybe he's a project then the bears sign tom brady here we go we're gonna sign cam newton yeah or that too yeah. All right. On that note, all of that last few minutes should make Vikings fans feel pretty good about uh, their their quarterback situation. That's why I did it. Sage football wisdom <laughs> every Thursday here on Mackie and Judd with Rami on this is the all new Score North and the Score North app. All right, Sage. We will uh, actually we'll see you, we'll see you tomorrow. You're going to be uh, hanging out. I'm going to drive up tomorrow. I think we're do some stuff in the studio at three with Collar, and then maybe we're going to do some whiteboard stuff afterwards. So you know, if the Vikings lose tonight, uh, everyone should get fired. Uh, the owner should sell the team, and uh, they should move the team from Egan. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's all I should start over. No, we'll uh, that'll be an audiogram that we will float out and see what happens today. All right, all right see you, Sage. Thanks, Sage. All right, guys. All right, we're going to wrap with Royce when we come back here. And remember, after the Vikings game tonight, Vikings Vent Line live here on Score North on 1500 on the Score North app and video streaming on Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. But before we go anywhere, let's check out uh, the pre owned inventory section at LutherBrookdaleToyota.com, where the first thing that pops up when you do a search here. A 2005 Toyota Corolla LE for just $54.95, and you might think, wait a second, that's a pretty old vehicle. That's 127,000 miles. I can tell you from firsthand experience, thanks to the service department and some of the smart, great people inside Luther Brookdale Toyota, I have had Camrys in my family, and I, I drove one for a long time. They went up near 300,000 miles because they make those things run like new after 10 years, 15 years, sometimes 20 years, so... A 2005 Toyota Corolla LE with just 127,000 miles on it for $54.95. That is a ridiculous steal of a deal. And it probably won't be there for much longer than 48 hours. So stop in. Open until 9 o'clock tonight. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. And uh, tell them Phil Mackey sent you. And also you can just peruse the same website I'm on right now. It's LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. We wrap with Royce next. Mackey and Joe with Rami.